10, 15. Back up field at the 35 to the 40. 45, 50. Pass the 50. 35, 40. Pass the 30. To the 20. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. Hello again, everyone. This is the Old College Try. This is your host, Tim Highland, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mike Unger. Mike, I mean this most sincerely. <laughs> the return of Big Ten football makes me very, very happy. I'm sure, like, our Clemson listeners are just can't wait for, like, Wisconsin, Illinois, <laughs> or, or <laughs> Purdue, <laughs> Iowa, <laughs> right? Can't but wait I for am, Wisconsin, like, dying. Illinois. I'm dying for this one. If you hear that, that's some ice clanging. That's a little cheers that I'm doing here to the return of the Big Ten. And what a way to start it off, Tim. Penn State, Indiana. Week <laughs> one. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I'll have more to say that later, Mike, by the way. I'm a, I'm a little nervous about the Penn State-Indiana game for a lot of reasons. Yeah, there's a lot to – well, I'm nervous too, which tells you how far Indiana has come. <laughs> so I'll say this too. So, again, we all have our conference biases, Mike. And so I think you're an interesting case study because – you grew up an ACC guy, but now you are, you know, by dint of the fact that you went to Indiana, you're kind of a Big Ten guy. And we all kind of like, let's face it, we're all biased towards our conferences, okay? Um, I will say, I think not as a – this is not a biased statement. And I, I've been to SEC games, and I, I fully acknowledge that SEC is something special. If, if the SEC is 1A in college football – the Big Ten is right there with them as far as, like, the next – where the, the games and the culture and everything else are just so deeply woven into these communities and these states. Um, college football these past few weeks without the Big Ten has not felt the same. And um, I just can't – I can't wait to see Big Ten back this week. I, I can hear the glee in your voice, and I completely agree – um, that maybe top to bottom, well, definitely at the top, the SEC has been better than the Big Ten. Um, the AC, you mentioned I grew up an ACC fan, but when, of course, Maryland moved to the Big Ten, I basically abandoned the ACC. The ACC <laughs> has really involved into Clemson and everyone else, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're completely right. It did not, it does not feel like a true fall Saturday until – Game day ends, and they immediately click or switch to the opening kickoff in West Lafayette on a gray, <laughs> miserable, misty afternoon with Purdue about to play Illinois. That that's what makes it for me. And it's like forty-eight and rainy, right? Like year round, year round. And so I would say that definitely West Lafayette and East Lansing always cloudy, right? Yes, always. <laughs> Always cloudy in East Lansing, no doubt about it. <laughs> All right, so I can't wait. We'll get to the games later. Yeah, Mike, it's going to be awesome. How was your weekend of college football? I know, of course, you hosted noted listener Brian Schlater for the big Bama-Georgia game. Uh, before we get into the game, I'm just curious, what was Brian's mindset walking into your house for the game? Well, first of all, it was an entrance unlike I've ever seen. He came in holding a tailgate suitcase of Bojangles, for which <laughs> – he had driven more than an hour 
to the DC suburbs where there, for some inexplicable reason, there's about three Bojangles down there. It was a, it was a multiple, multi-hour trip to get this, uh, to get this suitcase of Bojangles. So I was very touched by that, by that move. First thing I did, of course, was take out the disgusting liter of way, way, way too sweet, sweet tea and pour yeah. sweet tea and vodkas for us all. Unlike the tradition uh, that we have at Clemson where we're forced into drinking a shot of warm sweet tea and vodka in the parking lot of a Bojangles at 7 a.m. on a Saturday, we actually had ice. I, I'm here to report though, it didn't make it that much better. <laughs> but uh, it was a great entrance. Uh, our other friend and former coworker, Lewis, another Georgia guy came over, made buffalo chicken dip, it was lovely. Uh, both of the guys, I would say, extraordinarily nervous and uh, no expectations of winning, really. And, uh, you know, it was a great game, at least in the first half. Georgia, Georgia held tough. But I think we saw, you know, Bama's still just on a different level. And I don't think, despite the niceness of the story, uh, Bennett is really like, is he really a championship caliber quarterback? That's the question. No, we'll get there shortly. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's a quick answer. <laughs> so beyond that, what did you do on your Saturday before the Bama-Georgia game? Um, I went to watch the Arsenal match and some of the noon games, including Louisville-Notre Dame and Texas A&M-Mississippi State at noted listener Brent's house. Uh, beautiful, lovely day. We played cornhole. Uh, his girlfriend made us scotch eggs. We, uh, we ate, we drank. It was, we had a bunch of Oktoberfest beers. It was, again, once again, perfect fall weather, Tim. Like 68 and sunny, just absolutely magnificent. Uh, so I spent the afternoon over there before uh, coming back to, to host a few, few folks for their Georgia-Bama game. Would you indulge me one soccer question, Mike? Mm-hmm. Um, so do you – because one of my favorite things is those early windows when you have soccer and college football at the same time. Like, do you really enjoy that, Mike? It's a pretty cool thing, right? Yeah, I would rather, I'd prefer soccer go off at about 9 a.m. <laughs> and then I'd have my college football uh, unchallenged. But uh, it, was, it was interesting. You know, it was, a, it was a very lackluster performance by Arsenal. Noted listener Scott Tozier uh, described Arsenal's, uh, Arsenal's effort that way, and I think it was spot on. Uh, Mike, the weekend review already? Uh, no, I, I would. I like one of the things I like about the Premier League is a super early kickoff, but not the seven thirty. You can't do that. No, I can do that. You can? Yeah, I choose not to most of the time. <laughs> I, if I, I think nine or ten would be ideal. Ten, exactly. Actually, <laughs> I agree. All right, weekend review. It's a Friday night game. Number fourteen BYU. We've been talking with them all season. Mike forty-two, Houston twenty-six. The Cougars are legit. They're good. Did not see a second of this game, but of course I heard about it. Uh, d discussed on uh, Sirius XM College Sports Radio all week. Once again, people love this BYU team, and they're really catching a break that they got to add a bunch of these Mountain West schools to their schedule, including Boise State later in the season. Uh, so, yeah, I heard that was a very, very entertaining game. Unfortunately, I did not see it. They, the offense is explosive. They're kind of like classic. Like you think of your vintage BYU teams with Ty Detmer and the rest of those kind of guys. Like this is that kind of team. It's, it's a funny um, thing with BYU, how they've carved out this weird niche for themselves out there in Provo. Um, this team is a, a contender. That we, we need to watch them. How about 
this one, Mike. Number one, Clemson, 73, Georgia Tech, 7. It's rare that I watch again. Look, you know, college athletes are elite athletes. These are kids. If you're playing for Georgia Tech, you have been a, you know, a top performer your entire life in sports, right? I felt legitimately bad for them after a quarter in this game. This was embarrassing for Georgia Tech. Clemson, this was like varsity versus JV, Mike. And Trevor Lawrence, my God, like this was a bad, bad look for Georgia Tech. And one of those games where you wonder how do they recover from this kind of this like like abject embarrassment, right? It's 52-7 at halftime. And in the interview after the game, Trevor Lawrence said they left 14 points out there in the first <laughs> half. Yeah. Uh, and then someone told me what uh, they heard an interview with Jeff Collins, coach of Georgia Tech, and he was asked what he said to his team at halftime. And he said, I just told him I loved him. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you're like, all right, fire up the buses. We're going out the back door of the locker room. I mean, can you imagine what it took to go back out for that second half? No, but I kind of did. I'm not, I'm not sure that I agree with you. In of course, there's, there's a level of embarrassment for Georgia Tech. But it just shows more than Tech is bad, I think. It shows how ungodly dominant Clemson is. Georgia Tech, say what you will about them, they beat Florida State. They've played some tough games, right? They're, it's not like they're Kansas or Rutgers. But, again, it's, this is my issue. It's a week removed, and this is personal, Mike, when Clemson couldn't cover 28 versus Virginia. <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, you're, still, you're still harnessing bitterness from that. Let it go, Tim. First rule of gambling, it's over. I texted Tozier about this. I was like, God, like I couldn't pick you guys this week or last week. But, you know, I, again, it was just like, I feel like Bama and Clemson, it's kind of like, um, did you ever see Michael Jordan play live when he was like in his prime with the Bulls, Mike? Uh, you know, I was trying to think about this when I watched that magnificent 30 for 30. I think I did see him play against the Bullets at the Gold Cap Center once. So I saw him play live once, and it was the classic cliche where it's like, all right, Jordan can cruise for a while because, like, you know, he's not, like, you know, he can't play like 100% for 81 games a year or whatever. Right. He turned it on. less important than a regular season game. It was like all of a sudden it's like, okay, like he's going to be a different level than everyone else. <laughs> That's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, Clemson must have been like that from the opening kick, though, in this game. Um, number two, Bama 41, number three, Georgia 24. So again, I texted you and Brian, this is the third quarter. Look, Georgia played, I, th I thought they played a really good game. Um, and they were hanging in there. Again, same thing. Bama decided to play and all of a sudden it was a different game. Waddle, that guy is something else. Like he is. Yeah, really he, he's, he's, he's absolutely incredible, but uh, Georgia's turnovers hurt them, of course. Uh, that was a big deal. But I think also the way Bama's defense got kind of embarrassed in its own right against Ole Miss the week before, that a focused Bama team, perhaps the circus surrounding Nick Saban, would he coach or would he not, helped take the focus off his team a little bit. Yeah. And would you even put it past Nick Saban to have manipulated this whole thing? So there were no questions about the defense during the week, right? It was all about – is he going to coach or not? And uh, these, these, it's like the more we see in college football, the more we hope that these second-tier teams, not that I'm calling Georgia a second-tier team, but uh, these, these 1A, one-and-a-half-tier teams we'll call Georgia, 
it, you're, you hope that they can rise up to the level of Bama, Clemson, and we'll see if Ohio State is, is in that group as well. But year after year, it seems like they just can't. Um, speaking of which, number four in Notre Dame, 12, Louisville, seven. So this is, I think, Notre Dame's application to, like, join the Big Ten, the 12-7 win. <laughs> this game looked like a very Big Ten-ish type of game. It was hard to watch. We watched uh, much of this game at, over at Brent's, and it was, uh, it was because this is not a good Louisville team at all. And Notre Dame, people, the fact that they're ranked third is hilarious. Not that I know who who's better than them, but he is. Um, what are they, they really lack explosiveness on offense? You know that's not a that's not a breaking news uh, analysis right there. But people are hoping they could be the team right to challenge uh, Clemson. Certainly doesn't look like at this point in the season. Uh, no, it's a. But how about this one, Mike? Florida State thirty-one, number five, North Carolina twenty-eight. Given the results of the first few weeks, who would have thought Florida State could pull this off? But that was a stunner. Stop. Very big, very, very shocking result there. Uh, Florida State was a two-touchdown underdog at home. They'd been given up for dead, but I think looking back on it, the week before they played a pretty spirited, I guess, game against Notre Dame in South Bend. And I guess they pulled confidence from that because uh, that was a huge win for, for the Nulls and trying to build that program back up to where it was. Tough, tough loss for Mac Brown. Speaking of huge wins, back-to-back -back weeks. Texas A&M, 28, Mississippi State, 14. <laughs> Again, looking back to week one, or whatever it was, when Mississippi State, like, throttle LSU, we were like, oh, my God, the leech thing's going to work yeah. so great. Um, that, again, <laughs> they haven't won. No, but back-to-back -back weeks for Jimbo Fisher, I, I count this win as a really key win for him. That's coming off a, a big emotional win over Florida and then go down to Starkville and beat those guys. This program possibly, maybe, could be turning the corner, Mike. Huge win. Huge win. Because if they lost a game like this, which in the past they easily could have, would have negated all the progress and all the kind of good mojo from beating Florida, right? Uh, them, and I think the next game we're going to talk about, Miami was kind of in the same, the same boat. Uh, Miami was coming off a loss to Clemson, but, it, but they needed to show that they had taken that next step, the proverbial next step that – you know, the Tennessees of the world cannot take. So this was a nice win for Texas A&M. I mean, it's one of those wins where style points didn't matter. It didn't matter, like, how much they won by or how they looked winning. They just needed to win that game and get out of there, and they did. Right, and this is, like, I always think of, like, kind of the grinded out as a Penn State fan, like, back in the day where it's like, all right, you go to Purdue on a noon kick and you win, like, 28-14. Right. <laughs> it's not sexy. But it's right like, now, no, you, ground, you ground it out and you won the game, right? You won the game. Nothing about Purdue is sexy. <laughs> Number 13, Miami 31, Pitt 19. Remember, like, <laughs> three weeks ago when Pitt was, like, the hot thing, Mike, and now? Yeah, we, we found it on this very broadcast, Tim. We found it amusing back then. And uh, <laughs> very rarely are we proven right, but our skepticism around the Panthers has, has come to be. They, uh, they were not ready for prime time. They're kind of like Texas, right, Mike? Mm. <laughs> We're not talking about that for the third week in a row. All right. South Carolina 30, number 15, Auburn 22. Speaking of big wins for programs, huge win for Carolina. Mike. It is, but I have to say I've been – since, since I, every second of Auburn football I've seen this year, they've looked poor to me. 
They just do not look like a, co a cohesive unit on either side of the ball right now. Bo Nix is lost. He's regressing. Uh, maybe he'll get it turned around under, under Chad Morris. We'll see. But I just don't think Auburn is a very good team uh, at all this year. But it's a, it's a nice win for South Carolina. For South Carolina, you got to get your wins wherever you can. They're all big for the Gamecocks. Your point on Bo Nix, I got to text you this weekend, too. Like, he is definitely not what people thought he was going to be. No. 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 He was a great story coming in, you know, the, the Patrick Nix's kid, lifelong Auburn fan. Um, he looked pretty good in, in, at points last year, but hopefully it's just a sophomore slump for him, right? It, it, but uh, I'd be very, very concerned if I were a Tigers fan. This one to me, and unfortunately I didn't see this game because I have a, a soft spot for both these teams. Mike, how about Kentucky 34, number 18, Tennessee 7? What a statement win for Kentucky. That's amazing. And yeah, also, let's, 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 let's put to rest the idea of Tennessee being quote-unquote back, right? Exactly, exactly. So Tennessee and Miami were in the same boat as well um, because they both got, you know, a lot of publicity last week and then got stomped by the big boys of their conference. Miami came back and beat Pitt. And this, was, this has to be a very demoralizing loss for Tennessee. They threw two pick sixes, I believe, against the Wildcats. And Kentucky is quickly becoming my favorite SEC team, right? No, they have no right to be good. No. And yet they're always <laughs> around winning six, seven games, playing tough. Uh, and I love the way Mark Stoops has them ready to go all the time. Plus, I like their, I like their blue uniforms. All right, Mike, this dovetails nicely into the top 25. Are you ready? Yep. Drop from rankings. Are you ready? Auburn, Tennessee, and unfortunately, <laughs> our beloved Louisiana. Drop oh, Louisiana. I hate, I hate to see them go. But, yeah, Auburn and Tennessee have no right to be in the top 25. Especially when they're zero and zero Big Ten teams now being ranked. I will cut short the whole, like, listing of the um, other receiving votes. I'll just do the last two, the last two, Mike, on the others receiving votes. The last one is Texas with one vote. <laughs> the second to last is Indiana with four votes. They went from one, they, went, they received only one vote last week, so not playing, they, they picked up three votes. That's, that bodes well for the Hoosiers. You were ahead of Texas, Mike. As well we should be, we're better programmed. All right, um, top 25, from 25 to 21, Coastal Carolina, USC, NC State, Marshall, and Minnesota. What a group that is, Mike. <laughs> I, I would challenge anyone to find one commonality among those programs. <laughs> from 20 to 16, K-State, VaTech, Michigan, Iowa State, SMU. Ooh, SMU above Iowa and Michigan. That's, that's interesting. But Michigan's starting out pretty low. I like to see that. 15 to 11, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Oregon, BYU, Miami. Wow, BYU and Miami. Like, what year is this? 1984. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. 10 through 6, Florida, Cincinnati, Penn State, Texas A&M, Okie State. Cincinnati ranked in the top 10. They keep itching their way up. Who knows? People keep falling. They could, be, uh, they could crash the party. That would be awesome. By the way, I heard that Luke today on the radio, I heard Luke Fickle was a high school wrestler. And that really uh, explains a lot about his personality. <laughs> yes. All right. And the top five, and there's one that stands out here as being like, hmm, why are you here? Yeah. Five, Ohio State. Four, Georgia. Three, Notre Dame. Hmm. 
two Alabama and one Clemson. Clemson with 54 first place votes, Bama with eight, and no one else with any other first place votes. Does anyone in their right mind think that if Notre Dame played either of those four teams, especially <laughs> the two behind them, Georgia and Ohio State, they'd have no chance of beating any of those teams. I don't care where the game is. It's ridiculous that they're ranked that high. Right, again, Notre Dame versus Georgia. What's the line? For Georgia, like, what, minus 10? And yeah, like, double digits. I mean, it depends where it is, but you'd have to say double digits. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. I, like, it, it's, it's incredible to me after 30-plus um, years of watching this the college football that people still put Notre Dame in this weird special category. Yeah. They're, like, they're like their it's, own it's, thing. It's like, it's no. Ingrained. It's ingrained in their brain stems for some reason. <laughs> it's crazy. All right, uh, Mike, news items. There's not much to report this week. Jeff Brom has coronavirus and does have symptoms. Hi, Jack. Jack walked in the room right now. <laughs> um, hey, Jack. Say hi. And like, yeah, there's Jack. Um, so Jeff Brown apparently had like somewhat serious symptoms. Like he had chills, he had chest tightening, which is not very great. Um, beyond that, all the news, news items are just like more COVID-19. So we're not going to go there. Okay, Mike? <laughs> yeah, it's very depressing. I mean, but it's very clear also you have to cut this podcast short to go watch your beloved Eagles. But I did tell you, right, my, my tell the audience what I did as I negotiated to go to my neighbor's house to watch the Eagles-Giants game. What did I do, Mike? You forced him to put a second TV out to put on Appalachian State and Arkansas State, and I will give you credit for that. Right, and I'm going to force them to enjoy that game, too. So. It's not going to take any forcing. At the time of this recording, it's 14-7, Appy State, first quarter. <laughs> All right. Games of the week. Are you ready, Mike? And I'm, I, I will gleefully – tell you the games the first game of the week illinois <laughs> at number 14 wisconsin 8 p.m friday on the big 10 network mike how excited you i know you will turn it tune in for this game you will right I, I will watch some of this game no doubt along with the world series those will be on my two tvs wisconsin 19 and a half point favorite you gotta figure they're going to be pissed after losing to the line last year right I have a feeling this is this one's going to get ugly. Number one, Clemson versus Syracuse, <laughs> noon Saturday, on the ACC Network. This is one of those games where it's like, um, why do these teams still play each other? Like, what is <laughs> they, they should have a, they should have a rolling <laughs> clock in this game, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Is there any chance that Clemson's like gets complacent or sleepy or? Anything no. here? No, zero. Now, there's a chance they don't cover the 46 um, because Dabo might be getting embarrassed and putting up scores like this. And for what it's worth, Syracuse has this weird thing where they always seem to play Clemson well. But uh, if anything, that's going to hurt them this, this year, right? Because uh, the Clemson coaches are going to be reminding the Tigers of, the, of those couple of games uh, where, where the Cuse beat them up in, uh, in New York and then almost beat them in in Death Valley. So I, I don't see it happening. 46 point spread for a uh, conference game. I don't know when that we've ever seen something bigger than that. Maybe like Kansas, Oklahoma, yeah. Iowa State, yeah. Rutgers, I think. Wasn't that in the 50s? But it was the uh, 50s, you're getting yeah. close to a record level. Yeah. Um, 
Speaking of which, I, and I'm dying to know, what's the line for number five Ohio State versus Nebraska, like noon, Saturday, and Fox? I believe it's 24. That's it? Ohio State by 24. Give me one sec. I think so. Yeah, you think that's uh, low? A bit low. 26 it's gone up to. Buckeyes by 26. I mean, they're going to win by 75. <laughs> Probably, but uh, they're going to be – Ohio State is going to be so fired up for this game. Justin Fields, you know, he led that entire let us play movement for the Big Ten. He – do you remember do – you, by the way, do you realize his numbers from last year? He threw 40-something touchdown passes and three picks, two of right. which were in the playoff game. Right. Unheard of numbers. So, uh, he, you got to figure he'll be ready to play. I would, I would assume so. How about this? A fun under-the-radar game, number 23, NC State, at number 14, North Carolina, noon on ESPN. I'm kind of intrigued by this game, Mike. And I, I don't know yeah, much about either of these teams, but, like, I know Mac Brown coaches North Carolina, but NC State to me is a mystery. I'm kind of – it's always been a, a place on my list where it's like, I'd be curious to go to a Wolfpack game. I would. Yeah. I've heard some good things about going to a game in Raleigh that, that's entertaining. This NC State team, by the way, 4-1, and one, coming in little, definitely under the radar. UNC limps into the game. Uh, the, the heels, 15-and-a-half-point favorites. Something is, is happening here with this line because it opened with UNC minus 14-and-a-half. It shows 70% of the action on NC State at the line has gone up to North Carolina minus 15-and-a-half. So could be uh, COVID uh, – players out for for the wolf pack not quite sure but does seem like a fun nooner doesn't it definitely um this one's here for a sad reason unranked auburn at unranked old miss noon on the sc network like unranked auburn Ole miss. Oh. <laughs> yeah they're they're two and two against a one and three old miss team Ole Miss is getting catching three and a half at home, and I would definitely take the Rebs. I thought about making this my lock of the week, but uh, I will be taking the Rebs. I just I have no faith in Auburn this year. One of my favorite games of the year, no lie, Temple at Memphis, Mike, noon, ESPN+. Plus. What are your thoughts on Temple Memphis? <laughs> well, Temple, you, of course, listeners of the show know you, you harbor a bizarre and un- inexplicable uh, <laughs> attachment to Temple. Yeah. And they, they let you down again last week. You picked a minus 11 as your lock, and they did not come in. Memphis favored by 13 and a half, one and one Temple against two and one Memphis. Memphis can score a lot of points. I think it's going to be tough for the Owls to, to hang with them. Will you be watching? Will you be uh, – oh, it's in Memphis. I was going to say, would you attend? Will you, will you be watching? I'll try, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if um, the game is televised. Number two, Bama at Tennessee – We've heard now, Mike, so, like, even us in our advanced age, like, we are now in our mid-40s, right? Probably. Even us in our advanced age, we've heard for years now what a big deal the Bama-Tennessee rivalry was. What was being the operative word there? (laughs) I cannot recall (laughs) an important Bama-Tennessee game in my lifetime. Can you? Neither can I. I mean – even as far as foreign as this would be to listeners who are, uh, you know, younger than us, maybe in their 20s, there was a time before Nick Saban when Bama was the program that was actually <laughs> down on its luck. And Tennessee in the late 90s won the national title with Philip Ulmer. I can't remember a time when both programs were up 
that's that's the thing. I can even remember those times uh, with Fulmer and in the '90s and and uh, Bama not being not being great. But you're right. I I cannot re- recall a single impactful Alabama Tennessee game. No, there was a lot of Florida Tennessee games. Yes, yes. Right? A lot of Auburn Alabama games. A lot yeah. of Florida Ten- Alabama games. But like never a. Yeah. Never in our lifetime, an impactful Bama-Tennessee yeah. game. Never. No, no. and this one uh, is going to be filed away in, that, in that, same, uh, <laughs> that same vein, Alabama. Favored by 21 in Knoxville. This one, fun. Number 17, Iowa State. At number six, Oklahoma State. 330 on Fox. That's a fun game, Mike. Yeah, and uh, Oklahoma State really uh, is the last chance for the Big 12 to have an undefeated champion and, uh, and thus make the playoff. But Iowa State has shown that they are one of, if not the most talented teams in the Big 12. Very going to be a very competitive, very exciting game. Oklahoma State favored by three and a half in Stillwater. That should be a fun one to watch. I agree. So listeners know I'm a fatalist, Mike. You know I'm a fatalist. Um, Irish and Slovenian background. Uh, but I, I mean this for this game most sincerely. Number eight, Penn State going to Indiana needs to have their eyes open. This Indiana team is one of the best Indiana. I put them in the same category as the current Kentucky squad. They're a good team. Good team. And I think Penn State, not having Micah Parsons, not having Journey Brown, they're in for a game against Indiana, Mike. I believe that very sincerely. Well, one thing that's concerning me, listening to a lot of radio this week, right? And lots of people share your opinion on this game. Indiana's getting a lot of mentions as a team to watch in the Big Ten. Penn State, of course, lost their running back and their best defensive player. Uh, the spread opened at seven and a half. It's down to five and a half. Uh, I don't like all the focus and attention on Indiana as being a team to watch. It's we're not we're not equipped to operate in that space. Um, that being said, I legitimately think the Hoosiers can win this game. Indiana's got ridiculous talent on offense. That's the thing. It's going to be, can Penn State control the ball? Can Indiana stop the running game of Penn State? And can Indiana perform? Can they win in the fourth quarter? That's always the question with the Hoosiers. They can't turn the ball over. They can't drop a wide-open touchdown pass. They can't make a dumb penalty. That's been a challenge for IU historically in the last – oh, shall we say, three decades. Uh, they've played many games against Penn State that were close, but they just can't make the winning plays at the end. And for Indiana to, to make that leap, they're going to have to do that. So I can't wait to watch it, though. I've told you, Mike, how many times have I said college football, it's a confidence game. And for Indiana, of course, they're going to go into this game thinking like, in theory, yes, we can win this game but they really need to believe they can win this game, right? They really need to believe like, like they need some guys like, so I think it's Penix, right? Your quarterback's name. Yeah. Like you need that guy to lead the team and like, tell them like, we're not Indiana versus Penn state. We're Indiana and we're going to beat Penn state. Like, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. They need, and it's, it's interesting that it's the first game of the year, right? Because if Indiana does that and they win, who knows where confidence can take them this season. Right, but if it's the same old thing and they and they either get blown out or they or they blow it at the end, uh, it's going to be very easy for these guys, especially in this kind of season, to say, "Well, it's just the same old Indiana type of season for us." So it's a 
it's a fascinating matchup to kick things off. The JV game for the Big Ten at, at 3.30. Iowa at Purdue, 3.30 BTN, Mike. <laughs> the only thing we know is that it'll be 48 overcast with a chance of mist in West Lafayette. <laughs> Perhaps and that no, one, and that no one will be watching. No. Uh, number 18, Michigan at number 20, Minnesota, 7.30 ABC. This is a fun one, too. And I am like, Mike, tell me, what's the line for mi- Minnesota? I'm all in Minnesota. All in. Michigan is favored by three. That is entirely driven by the fact that the name is Michigan, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, it is. Minnesota was a better team last year. Minnesota's got their quarterback back. Michigan's got nothing but question marks at quarterback and the offensive line. Uh, you, you got. I, I would like the Gophers as well on that one. That's a, under the lights at seven thirty. That's a good. That's a good night game. Unfortunately, most of the nation will be watching Maryland Northwestern. <laughs> Speaking of which. Maryland and Northwestern, 7.30, BTN. Is this the saddest game of the day, Mike? It's got to be up there. Northwestern, 11-point favorites. They will be quarterbacked by my beloved Peyton Ramsey, grad transfer from Indiana, who did a lot of great things for the Hoosiers. Um, I was a big fan of his when he played for IU. Maryland, as of Thursday, the recording of this podcast, yet to announce a starting quarterback. Not a good sign. No. No. Year two for uh, for Mike Loxley, I hate to say, it looks like it's going to be another long, long season for the Terps. What is your take as a longtime Maryland football fan? What is the long-term vision for, for Maryland? <laughs> Go back to the ACC is what I would hope it is. <laughs> I, there's, no, there's no path forward. It's, I mean, it, it, they got to stick. Well, of course, we've talked about this ad nauseum. The number one thing, I don't care how bad he is, I don't care how bad things get, unless he, you know, violates the rules or presides over the death of a, of a player, as his predecessor did, they've got to just stick with Mike Loxley. Loxley can recruit, we know that, right? And he can coach offense. Now, recruiting to Maryland is different than, and, uh, than recruiting to Alabama, and coaching Maryland's offense is different than coaching Alabama's. I still say, pick, you've, you've hired the guy, five-year minimum. I don't care how bad things get until that fifth year. That's, look, that's the way forward. To your point, he is um, great at recruiting the DMV, right? There's so much talent in the DMV. The issue is you are recruiting the, the, the two schools in the Big Ten that are most intensely recruiting against Maryland and DMV are Penn State and Ohio State. And if you're yeah. Maryland, how are you competing against that? Like, for yeah. the top, top talent, like – you are recruiting against two of like, let's say like the top 10 programs in the country with like these stadiums who are massive where the game atmosphere is unbelievable. That's a tough job. (laughs) You really have to find a superstar who is like afraid to travel or (laughs) for whatever reason, absolutely does not want to leave his hometown. And you're right. I mean, great point. Say you're an 18 year old, a 17 year old kid and you go on a recruiting trip and you're at a, uh, a Maryland game that, he, that the stadium is either half – if the stadium isn't half full, then Maryland has no chance to win because that means they're playing Penn State, Ohio State, or someone like that, and they're going to get smoked. For any chance for Maryland to win, say they're playing Northwestern, it's going to be a dreary 25,000 crowd there, right? Then you take them on the field, down on the field at Beaver Stadium or the Horseshoe, 
uh, I don't know how anyone would ever would choose Maryland over those two schools in that case, in that situation. Right. Finally, number nine, Cincinnati at number 15, SMU, 9 p.m. ESPN2. What a fun game this is, Mike. Yeah. This is and a great game. kick time, too. Yeah. I know we, we don't have them on the list, but Texas State at BYU, 10-15. UNLV at San Diego State, 10-30. Hallelujah Mountain West football back to having a 10-30 a late night Saturday games that, of course, we won't, we won't watch. But they'll be fun. it'll be fun to know they're on. And uh, – They'll be on no matter how much we are actually watching. This Cincinnati SMU game is going to be awesome, right? SMU favored by two and a half. Both teams undefeated. SMU ranks 16th, Cincinnati ninth, as you said earlier. Uh, a contrast of styles, right? SMU, high-scoring offense, throws it all, all over the place. Cincinnati couldn't be more, you know, stereotypical Midwestern Ohio style of football. They just want to play defense and run it, control the ball. Uh, this should be a great game. I'm very excited to watch this one. Again, Cincinnati to me is like one of the most fascinating teams in the country. Like yeah. we said before, Fickle's done an amazing job. Yeah. Like he really has. Like God bless him. Um, and SMU is fun too. And like, yeah. you know, for kids like us who grew up like back in the day in the 80s when SMU was like top five in the country, to see them being back again, that's a lot of fun. Um, Michelle is, is a legitimately great quarterback. Fortunately, I think he lost his best receiver, which probably will hurt the ponies. But also, what a logo, SMU. That red uh, Mustang just galloping. I love that. It's great. Um, so, Mike, I hate this segment now. This is, like, the worst part of the show. I'm, I almost wish to, like, just skip it entirely, but I can't. Uh, yeah, you can't and you won't. Our, our, our locks of the week last week were what? So you had Temple minus 11. I noted at the time, sounds like a big number for a program <laughs> like Temple. Uh, I believe they won, but they only won by two, so they didn't even come close to covering. Bumping your record to a very impressive in its own right 0-5. I've often said, if you tried to go 0-5, in my opinion, it'd be just as difficult as trying to go 5-0. and So yep. you're doing something there. I took uh, my beloved Navy midshipmen. They almost never let me down. They were favored by three. They went in down East Carolina, won by four, upping my record to four and two. How do you feel, Mike? I feel extremely confident right now. <laughs> that, might be, that might be the Evan Williams speaking, though. Bobby hit the buffer. Plays bets on college football. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. What do you mean you don't bet? I mean, I don't bet. You know, I don't gamble. I don't. Pusher. I never Pusher. have, and I never will. Yeah, right. Tim, for this week's Lock of the Week, we are going to Louisville, Kentucky, home of the putrid Louisville Cardinals, in my opinion. They are hosting Florida State team that we talked about coming off a victory over North Carolina. Louisville, four-and-a-half-point favorites against the Knowles. A Knowles team that is really trending up. It has started, as we mentioned, against Notre Dame. They played well in South Bend, didn't win, but they played well. They bounced back, looked very, very good against um, uh, North Carolina, of course, and getting that upset victory. So I'm going to take FSU plus four and a half over Louisville. At this point, I don't care, Mike. So, again, the line for Michigan and Minnesota is what? Yeah, you, you, it, Michigan is favored by three. So you're taking Minnesota plus three. I like that one yes. for the record. 
I think your streak ends this week. All right, I'm going Minnesota. Go Gophers. <laughs> go, go Gophers. Gophers. All right, make your plans this weekend or what? Tim, on Saturday morning, I am doing the unthinkable. I'm boarding an airplane. Oh, my God. Seriously? I'm flying to Atlanta, Georgia, where I will be attending the College Football Hall of Fame, wearing a mask, getting my temperature taken, and entering <laughs> uh, on limited, uh, limited entry windows, I'm assured. Uh, and then I'll be watching college football all day and night with uh, noted listener Ryan Tozier. We got Clemson, uh, Syracuse at noon, and of course the the game of the day, Indiana Penn State at three thirty. And as we mentioned, uh, this excellent Cincinnati SMU game at night. It's the first day for the Big Ten. I will be eating, drinking, and hanging out with Ryan and his compadres, watching football all day down in Atlanta. So will Ryan be rooting for Penn State or Indiana? You will be rooting for Indiana without question. I, I may try and change that, Mike, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, folks, thanks for listening. It's now 827. I'm actually going across the street now, Mike, to go watch the, in theory, the Eagles-Giants game. But in reality, I'm going to watch the Appy State-Arkansas State game. Is this the type of party, Tim, where if the, if the Eagles score, people will sing that dumb Eagles song? No, so actually the host of the party is um, a Giants fan. Okay, that's actually preferable to, uh, to an Eagles fan. But yeah. uh, it should be noted both teams are absolutely putrid and they're playing for first place in the NFC East. The whole division is just incredibly awful, right? Yeah, it's, it's unwatchably bad. I'm going to be watching Appy State, no doubt about it. <laughs> Appy State will be on my number one TV, this NFL garbage on number two. All right. One thing to say, Mike, pachas. Pachas. Thank you for listening to the TCFA podcast. For more college football news and wit, visit intelligentcollegefootball.com.